Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Laura. I am a naturopathic doctor. I am bringing you this episode again via two formats. We have the audio podcast episode, and I am bringing this to you in video for those who feel so inclined to watch the video. Um, That is also available for you as well. Today, I wanted to do this episode based on fertility. And now I'm taking a little bit of a different spin when it comes to fertility because a lot of people uh, focus the emphasis on fertility and fertility treatments on the woman. Um, And they also focus when there's any problems, those are usually focused on the woman as well. So today I wanted to talk about infertility and the male factor. And so I wanted to basically talk about all the ways that healthy babies are made with healthy sperm. I'm going to go through some of the importance of that. And then we'll go through some of the research when it comes to supplements, diet and lifestyle, things that can contribute um, so that you can get all the information you need to work with a practitioner to develop your own treatment plan to make sure that your partner is being considered in your fertility journey and you as the woman aren't the only one seeking treatment and getting treatment. So when we're looking at fertility, it takes two to tango and both of you should be on a treatment plan to optimize your fertility rather than just focus on the woman. So first things first, infertility affects about 15 to 30% of couples trying to conceive which is a pretty high number, in approximately half of these cases, the male partner is the sole contributing factor. So this is controversial because a lot of people, again, when they can't get pregnant, the focus is on the woman. So this is actually kind of turning the dial and spinning it around and saying that it is important to actually look at the male's role when it comes to fertility as well as the female's. So there's many environmental factors that can cause infertility. So some nutritional deficiencies, um, oxidative oxidative stress, which is caused by um, many things that can impact and damage semen quality. Uh, Factors such as radiation or urinary tract infections can also contribute significantly to fertility issues. And so the major thing that happens uh, environmentally, dietary and otherwise is that we develop these reactive oxygen species, or ROS. And so this basically exceeds our body's antioxidant capacity, and this leads to sperm damage and DNA damage. So that's how usually um, men are implicated in this fertility issue. And now, the importance of sperm health came to light. I mean, it's been coming to light recently in the research, but a recent article I just read talked about investigating the sperm quality of men whose partners had suffered three or more consecutive miscarriages. So they basically wanted to rule out the role or rule in the role that men actually play in the fertility journey. They actually found that compared to men whose partners had not experienced a miscarriage, the sperm of those involved in the study, so Like I said, in the study, they looked at men whose partners had had um, three or more consecutive miscarriages. They found that those men actually had higher levels of DNA damage in their sperm. And like I said, up until recently, recurrent miscarriage was thought to be um, the mother's issue, infections, immune problems, those sorts of things. Or sometimes things just don't add up, things don't line up. 
and we have a miscarriage because tissues and DNA didn't combine the way they needed to. But we're starting to really uncover the role that sperm health and sperm plays in that whole scenario. And looking at that role is actually really, really important. And so it's important to not discredit that portion of uh, fertility. So when we look at it, I mean, from a perspective of women having a biological clock and when they can have kids and when it's optimal and when they can no longer have kids, really, we should start looking at men in the same way. Um, Ultimately, we always thought, oh, men can have kids up until they're 95, which I mean, could be true. But I think it's important to start to look at sperm quality um, as opposed to whether or not the sperm are just there and able to reproduce. But if they're producing quality sperm and sperm that are healthy in order to make these healthy babies, because that's really the most important part. And also, previous research has actually suggested sperm plays an important role in the formation of the placenta. And I mean, this is how the baby gets oxygen and nutrients and everything. So it's not just the woman that's creating that placenta. It's the man as well. So let's just dive into the research. I'm going to preface this with um, some of the supplements that I'm going through. This is what's been found in the research. I will not be giving dosages or forms or specific products because that is reserved for working and creating an individualized treatment plan with your practitioner. But it's just to give you some more information so that you can understand the types of things that can impact sperm health and sperm quality to help make healthy babies. And so I will also say that when it comes down to it, we really need to look at the man from a full health perspective. So we need to do full blood work. We need to check for cardiovascular risk factors. We need to look at diet. We need to look at lifestyle and we need to piece together a plan that makes sense for that individual. So it's not just about giving XYZ supplements and improving the fertility of the man. It really is a holistic approach. It is not a magic pill. It is not a one size fits all. So that's another reason why I won't be giving dosages or specific brands or anything like that, because it really doesn't make sense in the context of anyone and everything. Um, Just because it's found on Google doesn't mean that it's the magic pill. You really need to speak with a qualified practitioner who can look at your entire health history, medications you're on, interactions with those medications, because just because it's natural does not make it safe. So let's get into it. Um, Part of the diet and lifestyle research I looked at included general dietary guidelines. So diets that were found to be rich rich in processed meat, soy, potatoes, full fat dairy, total dairy products, again, cheese in particular, coffee, alcohol, sugary or sweetened beverages, and candy and sweets have actually been associated with a low quality of sperm in some studies. When we look at the role of alcohol, um, a high intake of alcohol, caffeine, and red meat and processed meat, like I just mentioned by males, has shown to have a negative influence on the chance of pregnancy or fertilization in their partners. So not only has, like I just said, has it ha, can it have an impact on semen quality, but it can actually impact the chance of pregnancy or fertilization in these the partners of these men. The second thing I found interesting, and this I, I didn't look at extensive research with respect to this um, in particular, but 
mobile telephone use has actually been shown to negatively impact sperm quality. So there's a lot to be said about the role of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and all of these things, especially with men putting their cell phones, I mean, around that area, by that area, in their pockets, that can really lead to negative outcomes as well. So it is important to consider the use of mobile phones, telephones, maybe even the use of Wi-Fi or laptop computers. We know that we shouldn't have heat around that area, but the role of where Wi-Fi fits in, where Bluetooth fits in is still to be determined um, in larger scale studies. And if you do have access to studies that are recent and comprehensive and you want to shoot them my way, you can send them to Laura at laurapiper.com. If you're watching the video, you can always just put it the link down below. I would love to see this research because it's not something that I've personally looked into um, extensively. So it very well could be um, pretty solid and out there and I just don't know about it. So we'll kind of go with that. Um, but that was kind of the results I found. When it came to weight and being normal weight versus overweight, obesity has been associated with lower serum testosterone levels in men, um, lower sperm concentration, and lower total sperm count. So if that is a problem in your partner, if they're overweight, then finding a plan to lose that weight can really beneficially impact your fertility and a lot of women before they get pregnant want to do like a detox or a hormone balancing, which is amazing. And I always recommend it, but you should get your partner on board too. get them on a healthy eating plan, get them losing weight because their sperm quality needs to be up to snuff in order to help you fertilize your eggs and create a proper placenta and then a healthy baby as a result. Tobacco use. Um, I mean, there's a lot of research out there looking at uh, father's smoking habits and the outcomes of babies in terms of health. And um, it's not good in general, but when it comes to sperm quality, smoking tobacco has been associated with lower sperm concentration, impaired sperm motility and morphology. The use of chewing tobacco has also been found to have a dose dependent negative effect on sperm count, which means that the more you're chewing, the worse it's going to be. And that's on motility, morphology, and even viability of the sperm. So sperm that are actually alive and well, it actually impacts that. And now a little note on smoking is I've done a podcast episode. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet and you're wondering about marijuana, there was a study that came out that implicated that smoking marijuana or marijuana use was actually positively associated with um, testosterone levels and sperm count. So I kind of went in on that study on one of the episodes I did previously. So if you want to check that out, if you're more interested in my take on the whole marijuana usage and sperm count, then feel free to head to um, your podcast listening episode and listen to that because that was kind of a comprehensive episode just focused on that topic. So that can be helpful. Um, the role of alcohol is controversial. Earlier on, I had mentioned that high alcohol consumption can impact the ability for the partner to get pregnant. And there was one study that suggested even one alcoholic drink a day by the male partner can negatively impact miscarriages rate, miscarriage rates sorry, and live birth rates associated with um, IVF. So if you and your partner are going through IVF, it may be a really great idea to just abstain from alcohol altogether while you're kind of going through that. 
So you can optimize your chances of conceiving from those cycles. Several other studies have indicated alcohol consumption is associated with the deterioration of sperm parameters in a dose-dependent fashion. Again, dose-dependent fashion, just like I had said with tobacco, it is the more you do, the worse it is. So that's not to say having one drink, if you're not doing IVF, having one drink even daily might actually not be bad. Um, But if you are doing IVF, like I mentioned, it can actually negatively impact uh, outcomes in those who are getting IVF. And so we all know that when you're when you're getting IVF, when you're doing those rounds, when you're doing all the prep and everything that goes with it, you want to make sure you're doing everything to um, ensure the highest possibility of conception. So maybe staying away from alcohol is part of that. Um, however, in kind of people who weren't doing IVF, moderate alcohol consumption has been shown to not impair semen parameters. So like I said, controversial, a little bit of mixed research, but it looks like the research is dose dependent. Um, So the more you do, the worse it is. The next thing I'll go into is caffeine. So looking at the effect of caffeine on male fertility, um, it's been studied both as a dietary intake as well as what's called an in vitro supplement. So that would be probably in the form of caffeine pills um, versus having coffee or having um, some sort of food that has caffeine in it, i.e. chocolate or anything like that. And so it was shown that high caffeine consumption, so more than six cups of coffee, coffee per day, in men was associated with increased sperm motility. So they were moving a lot more. And then another study, or sorry, another three studies showed no effect of caffeine on sperm parameters. Um, A prospective IVF study. So again, people doing IVF, caffeine did not affect fertilization, pregnancy, miscarriage, or live birth. However, the odds of multiple gestations increased by three for each 100 milligrams per day of caffeine intake by men during the week of the initial clinic visit um, or during the week before sperm collection. So what that means is basically if men were drinking a lot more caffeine before they had to have the collection of their sperm done, that actually increased the risk of multiple gestations. And so you can look at this from a, a positive or a negative side, but what that is telling me is saying that Um, multiple pregnancies are higher risk. They're um, higher risk of miscarriage, higher risk of complications, that sort of thing. So if we're increasing our risk of multiple gestations in IVF cycle, again, caffeine might be best to lay off of the week before or high caffeine intake in particular might be best to lay off of the week before or the week of your sperm collection if you are involved in an IVF cycle. And so I would say for people who are conceiving naturally or starting to try to conceive naturally, I would say stick to your one cup of coffee a day um, because like I said, more than six cups is a lot in in a lot of ways. Um, So sticking to your one coffee a day, you know that you're safe and it's probably not impacting your sperm parameters at all. Now, when it gets to supplements, um, there's some that have been studied really well others that haven't as much. So I'm going to go through just some highlight, highlight some key supplements and key herbs um, when it comes to sperm quality, uh, semen parameters, that sort of thing. First one is vitamin C. Um, vitamin C 
with vitamin E have both been shown to be really great antioxidants. So again, like I mentioned, the main issue um, is the DNA damage and the uh, reduction in quality of the sperm. And that's because of this oxidative damage or these reactive oxygen species, ROS. And so this study actually found that levels of vitamin E and C have both been positively correlated with sperm motility. So they basically have looked at levels in the blood of C and E, and they've said, okay, we're going to look at these men, and we're going to look at what their sperm looks like, and they found that it was a positive correlation. So the more vitamin E and C they had, the better their sperm was. However, when they did this study, they did a study of infertile men. They gave them an eight-week course of high-dose vitamin E, and vitamin C compared to placebo. They found that combined vitamin C and E did not improve semen parameters. So in my opinion, looking at that, we're saying that when we find vitamin C and vitamin E in the blood, likely that's indicating that that man is consuming foods that are high in these types of um, nutrients. So things like leafy greens, nuts and seeds, Fruits and vegetables, a really plant-based diet has a lot of vitamin E and vitamin C naturally. So what it could be and what a lot of times things are, and this is where you have to be careful when you're looking at the research and deciding whether or not to supplement, what to supplement, and how much, you're looking at does this mean that taking the nutrient is beneficial? And in this case, it really doesn't seem like it is. However, I would say um, getting a diet that's high in these nutrients, vitamin C and vitamin E, um, can be beneficial on sperm parameters. So again, not supplementing. Supplementing in this particular study was shown to not be effective, but that doesn't mean we don't need these nutrients. We definitely need these nutrients. It's just a matter of the dose and the form and where we're supposed to get them from. Second thing is CoQ10. Um, so oftentimes people are hearing about CoQ10. It comes in a variety of different forms. This is often seen as something that's great for heart health. And it actually has been shown to be beneficial in semen parameters. A six-month course of CoQ10 was shown to improve sperm motility and sperm concentration. The next thing we'll look at is glutathione. Glutathione is an intracellular antioxidant. It's found in every cell of the human body. And the research has shown that glutathione therapy for two months um, was, a, was assessed in men with abnormal sperm parameters. And the supplementation improved sperm motility and morphology after one month of treatment. So they basically looked at uh, assessing this therapy and they found that after just one month, they saw improvements. Another thing is L-carnitine. If you've heard of it, it's probably something you've used or heard of for weight loss. It's in a lot of weight loss supplements. Um, in particular, uh, men with men who were infertile did a two-month supplementation with L-carnitine, and it improved sperm motility and concentration. Another a supplement called black cumin, so also known as nigella sativa. Um, this is a medicinal plant. It has antioxidant properties. It has antiviral uh, properties. It's really great in thyroid health. Um, but they found that these infertile men with abnormal semen parameters did a two-week course of black cumin oil. 
which improved sperm, sperm count, sorry, motility, morphology, and semen volume compared to placebo. So that's pretty good as well. Omega-3 fatty acids are good for a number of reasons. I supplement them in people with pain, um, for hair, skin, and nails, for autoimmune conditions, for inflammation in general, for hormone health. Um, but now there's another reason to have omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, men with abnormal semen parameters were shown to have an improved sperm concentration, motility, and morphology after 28 weeks of omega-3 fatty acid supplementation. Selenium, um, so basically they did selenium supplementation to normal amounts for three months. It was shown to improve motility compared to placebo versus they did men with 26 weeks of high-dose selenium, um, and this actually improved concentration, motility, morphology, and seminal volume. And so you need to make sure with selenium, it is toxic at high doses, you need to make sure that you are being monitored, you're taking the right dose, and you're not taking too much to um, get into that toxic state. So you need to know how long you're supplementing for, how much you're supposed to supplement for, um, and the reason why you're doing it. Zinc is another thing that can promote sperm quality because it is an antioxidant, but also zinc is unique in that it actually acts as a cofactor and it is involved in the protein synthesis that's critical to make sperm. So zinc is required to make healthy sperm. Um, they basically looked at men and they found that severe zinc depletion resulted in reduced semen volume and decreased serum testosterone compared to normal zinc consumption. And so for, to further that point, um, men were given a combination of zinc and folate supplementation. It was found to increase sperm concentration, but zinc or folate supplementation on its own did not improve sperm parameters. And so what this tells me is that if you are deficient in zinc, then supplementing with zinc to get you up to adequate levels will be critical to your sperm health. If you are not deficient in zinc, it doesn't really look like it helps that much. So again, it's one of those things that you need to speak to your practitioner about to make sure you are creating the right plan and taking the right supplements and not taking things unnecessarily. When we take something like zinc too high and too long, it can deplete things like our copper. So again, looking at nutrients, how nothing is in isolation. Everything works in the body with other things, with other cofactors, with other nutrients. And so we need to make sure when we are taking a supplement, taking a nutrient, that we are well aware of what else we are impacting. What other balance are we possibly upsetting when we take this? And that kind of goes with any for anything. Uh, taurine is really interesting because it was shown to improve sperm motility, viability, and reduce DNA damage. Um, but the one thing I found that was interesting is the research I found on melatonin. So basically, what happens is when you work out, um, your oxygen consumption increases, which can increase our, the production of ROS or these reactive oxygen species. Um, exercising and exercising a lot can actually negatively, negatively affect fertility in male athletes. So they basically did this study to look at the impacts that melatonin could have on the testicles and the sperm production 
following a hardcore exercise. So in this study, they did swimming exercises in particular, and they wanted to examine how melatonin had an impact on the re reactive oxygen species with swimming. They found in this study that melatonin seems to induce the production of antioxi antioxidant enzymes of testicular tissue and is able to diminish the changes caused by forced exercise on the testes, which in turn help to ameliorate sperm parameters. So basically these people did swimming exercise and we know that when we, although exercise is really good, we know that it can actually increase uh, ROS. And so they found that supplementation of melatonin actually reduced those ROS um, that were being made and was able to alleviate the negative parameters found in the semen at that point. And so that's the supplements that I wanted to run through because they are, they have some research behind them and they've had some studies and there's so much more out there that, um, that's said to help with sperm quality and, and that sort of thing. But what I really wanted to highlight is that an individualized approach is so important when it comes to looking at your, um, at creating healthy sperm, because as you can see, I just listed a bunch of things that have been shown in the research to be beneficial for sperm quality. But the question is, number one, are you supposed to be taking every single thing? No. Number two, what dose are you taking them at? And number three, what else is going on? So I've mentioned diet, I've mentioned weight loss, I've mentioned specific supplements. And so when I'm going through things with my patients, I'm literally taking an hour at the first visit. And the reason for that is that when it comes to anything, whether we're dealing with sperm health or we're dealing with something else, I need to get a full picture of what's going on because your sperm health, your fertility journey, you and your partner is not going to be the same as your friends or as another patient I have. So we really look at individualized circumstances and we look at blood work. We look at recent testing. We see what's come up that we might need to alter. And then based on that, based on other factors that are going on, based on dietary changes and all of those other things, we really create a protocol that makes sense for you because the research is out there and um, you can find it if you head to PubMed and you get some really good resources uh, in order to create a plan. But you need to know what you're supposed to treat first and what you're supposed to treat second and so on and so forth in order to actually have positive changes. Um, you also have to know which supplements to get and, like I mentioned, which dose to get of those supplements. Now, um, Chinese herbs are really interesting, and so I just wanted to highlight a few of them that have been shown to be beneficial in when it came to sperm quality. The first one is ashwagandha. Uh, they found that the oral intake of ashwagandha root has been found to improve sperm count and motility and regulate reproductive hormone levels. Another herb called tribulus terrestris um, has shown that this can actually help the percentage of body fat uh, decrease in men and increase lean mass, as well as help the conversion to uh, testosterone and, and the conversion between healthy versions of testosterone. Um, it also has been shown to have significant enhancement in sperm concentration, as well as motility. So again, a great herb, if they were looking to reduce weight, change their other hormones, what's their testosterone look like, this may be a go-to. Curcumin has been shown that it can significantly improve sperm motility, so that's the substance found in turmeric. 
And bacopa is a herb that I use often for um, memory stuff, uh, people who are studying a lot. It's an adrenal support. Um, so a variety of things and has been also shown to improve sperm quality um, and spermatogenic cell density. So making themselves a lot thicker and more dense. Uh, there was one study that basically just did it on Chinese herbs. So there are some herbs that are uh, used in Chinese medicine uh, specifically. And so they didn't really mention which herbs in this study, but they found that the addition of Chinese herbs improved sperm motility and quality, increased sperm count and rebalanced inadequate hormone levels, adjusted immune functions, uh, leading to an increased number of fertile um, sperm or sperm that were really, really good. They also found that combining Chinese herbs with conventional therapies improved efficacy of the conventional treatments. So again, uh, as a naturopathic doctor, I'm always working with your medical doctor when that's what you want, especially if you were going through something like IVF. I work with couples so that we're looking at both of their health and we're really doing and taking an inventory on what conventional treatments they're having done and how we can complement and enhance those. And one way I like to complement and enhance is by using acupuncture. And so acupuncture is really great in women. We already know this, uh, pre and post IVF especially. I use acupuncture to regulate cycles, um, reduce stress, help sleep, all of these sorts of things. But specifically in men, acupuncture was shown to improve total motel sperm counts. And then in healthy men, they basically looked at, they used a Doppler ultrasound, so it basically looks at blood flow. And so they assessed different testicular blood flow before and after electroacupuncture. So basically when you're doing acupuncture, you put the needles in and then you can add on these electrodes to do electroacupuncture. So you basically set up a current and you're kind of putting this current through specific points. And so that's done with a specific machine and you're at specific currents, but it's kind of like a... Um, if, if anybody's used like a Dr. Ho machine, it causes those contractions in your muscle. And so depending on how high you have it set at, it will cause those contractions um, in your muscle, depending on how hard it is. But they basically did a Doppler on these men. And so they found men who received acupuncture at points correlating to genital problems um, when they added in electrical stimulation. So I'll just clarify, a points related to genital problems are not points in your genitals. So if we were doing acupuncture, uh, for those who are unfamiliar with acupuncture, what we do is we basically create a protocol based on your specific presentation. So we look at uh, what all is going on. And then based on that, I say, okay, I'm going to do this point and this point and this point. And so the way acupuncture is set up is there's actually channels all over our body. And those channels are uh, connected to specific organ systems, specific functions, et cetera, et cetera. So if I was dealing with fertility issues, you might have some points on your stomach, on your arms, on your legs, on your feet. Um, and those would be the ones that correlate to uh, genital problems. So it's not electroacupuncture in your genitals. Uh, that sounds like torture. So they basically found that these men who had electrical um, electroacupuncture demonstrated improvements in testicular blood flow. So the, uh, the addition of the electroacupuncture actually improved blood flow in the testes. So that's what I wanted to talk about today so that you guys can get an understanding of what's going on with respect to the research in um, 
male male fertility and how sperm can be and is playing an important role in the whole fertility process. If you have any questions, if you're watching the video, you can comment below. If you have any questions and you're listening to the podcast, you can always send an email to laura at laurapiper.com. Follow me on Instagram at drlauraND, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.